Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. Good morning and welcome to the walk-off, everybody. I'm Scott Belford, joined as always by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. We do have a pile of stuff to get to here. Uh, Batless in Baltimore. The offense continues to struggle here, and we'll just kind of get into the Orioles because I know before the season started, I came out and I said, I don't believe in Baltimore. I don't think that this is the year they take a big step forward. I did say that I really do think that they're going to be a pain in the butt and a very dominant team in the AL East for years to come. I just didn't see 2023 as that year. Uh, so this this first segment will be me eating my words. We'll get to three studs and a dud. Handing the reins over to Adam to see who is hot and who is not this week with the Jays. Jose Barrios, Mr. Mac, I'm a believer again. The man has looked incredible. So we will delve in to the strange animal that is Jose Barrios. Alec Manoa will update him, see how he's doing down at the complex in Dunedin. Vladdy Saddy with the baddie. You like how I, uh, nice little. No. I no, it. you hated that, right? Even I when I wrote it. it down, I'm like, I wrote it down and I was like, Adam's not going to use this on the on the Chiron for the topic. There's no way. Uh <laughs> the funny thing is when I was doing my prep, I really wanted to change it because I hated it so much. Yeah. But I also I hated it so much that I loved it. And I'm like, this is <laughs> this is staying in. So Vladdy's bat is so saddy, is uh, yeah, definitely so on saddy. the screen. So yeah. Uh, and then we'll get into the week ahead and they're, they're doing some pitching shuffling with Kevin Gosman getting the start tonight against Texas. So we will delve into all of that. Now, before we do that, we did have a contest. We, we asked the question on mailbag. So Adam and I obviously doing our very first live podcast one week, Thursday, June 22nd, which is an off day for the Blue Jays, so you can get your baseball needs in that day. It's going to start at 7.30 at Bottle Screw Bills. Now, Bottle Screw Bills got a hold of us and said that they are going to release a table with four seats for someone, and we can give that away. So that's what we did is we asked the question, who was the last Toronto Blue Jay to win Rookie of the Year? Now, we had six different submissions all over twitter so thank you to all of you who entered the contest i only had one guy enter who who got it wrong so uh one guy didn't know how to google uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honesty they got honesty points so the drum roll here johnny from twitter is the lucky winner of four seats to our very first live podcast. So Johnny, congratulations. Uh, I will reach out on Twitter with the details there. Thank you to everyone who did enter. Tickets are still available. If you use the code walk off, five bucks off. 
tickets are only $20. It's going to be comedy. It's going to be giveaways. And of course, all sorts of Toronto Blue Jays talk with a mini live mailbag where we go into the crowd to wrap up the show there. So don't miss that. We really are trying to unite all Alberta Blue Jays fans. We do have a show in Edmonton, July 13th. So we'll release the details for that on Monday. Set up the ticket link there. Ticket link for the Calgary show next Thursday is going to be the very first comment, the pinned comment in the YouTube section here. If you are listening audio-wise, well, that should be in the show notes. Uh, if not, you can just check our socials and you should find it pretty easily there. Hey, how about we encourage jersey wearing to this live show? Yes. I'll, accept, I'll accept Blue Jays jerseys. I'll accept uh, Oilers and Flames jerseys. Yes. I'll also accept uh, Elk and Stampeders jerseys and, of course, Saskatchewan Rough Rider jerseys. How's that? There you go. And if if there's any if there's any uh, W, what's the world, uh, the Western College Baseball League? Is it the WCBL? Yeah, bring out some. Uh, yeah, if you're going to wear a River Prospects jersey or, or a Dogs jersey, there Oak you Tokes go. Dogs, there you go. For sure. Okay. So congratulations to Johnny on Twitter. Again, we will be in touch June 22nd. Come see the walk off live in Calgary. All right, buddy. Uh, let's get into it here. I did wish to really quickly before we delve into this first topic, talk some of the negativity that has been going on about this team online. I don't know, dude, if it's that I missed the two losses against Minnesota. I'm just not in the tizzy that everyone else seems to be in. And maybe I I'm just behind on the panic train here. I mean, they went 10 and three, then they went two and four. It's too bad. They, they didn't win the series against the twins. They had some games where they probably, I mean, that game yesterday against Baltimore, a real bummer that they couldn't pull it out. Two and four sucks in a six game span. Yeah, but it's baseball, um, man. I, I, there's still like, I, I, I'm not saying it's early. It's not early, but this team is 38 and 32. They're six games above 500. They're only 70 games in. There's, there's 92 remaining games in the season. Look, we I'm not are... at the panic. Okay, so here's here's where I'm here's where I'm at. I've I grew up a Jays fan in the I mean shout Darkest out to Eric of Hins- timeline. Shout out to Eric Hinsky, uh last rookie of the year we've had. Right. But Eric Hinsky, uh Vernon Wells, Alex Rios, the Roy Halliday era, where we would have like a really nice stretch where we would win, you know. 25 out of 30 games, but we were 15 games below 500 when we went on that run and it Mm -hmm. meant nothing. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at with this team right now is like, we're six games above 570 games into the season. This is not the kind of team that, or this is not the kind of record that excites anybody. However, we are primed for a nice hot streak. Like if this team has in it 
a magical month, be that July or August or even September. We've seen it in years past where this team just catches fire in September and, you know, we win 20 out of 23 games. If we have a streak like that in us, then we're in great shape. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I mean, maybe that's just me being toxic positivity, but if we have a hot streak, we're in great, great position. If we don't, then yeah, we're going to finish the season like with 89, 90 wins, and that's going to be disappointing. But until then, I'm just going to sit back and keep watching ball and wait for the cards to come up in our favor. Like, I don't know. What else can you want? So there were a few tweets that just made me wonder where the mentality of that fan was at. And I mean, Adam, we always say this, right? Be a fan however you would like. If if what gives you your serotonin, what gives you your your kick in being a sports fan is being is being leaning to the negative side of things and just always trying to be right on stuff. I mean, that's a way to do it. You know, like I saw a tweet where it was like, to quote Shea Hillenbrand, this is a sinking ship. And I'm just like, man, did you like, is it the kids, Adam? Is it these kids who have never watched baseball in 2006 when times were at their hardest? Like, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm I not know. even saying I'm happy. And this is the thing, too. It's there's just like some Twitter Blue Jays tro- trolls out there. Right. Like like Bat Boy. Right. So there's this guy, Bat Boy. Uh, he always just seems to be on the other side of what I'm thinking, but he had this whole thing. Oh, I know a lot of fans are so thrilled that they're in fourth place in the AL East and can never build a contender but it's like numbers don't back that up. Like look back over the last few years. When was the last time the blue Jays finished fourth and weren't a contender? Like that's, that's not the case. This is a tweet that really rubbed me the wrong way, buddy. So I don't know if you looked at how Julian Merriweather is doing in Chicago. We're going to get into this in a second. Okay. Uh, but this tweet, I, I won't even give them the the time of day with the, the title of their tweet, their Twitter feed here, but it says Atkins fucks us again. I swear this dude gets paid to make horrible decisions. Our bullpen is the worst in the league. Wrong. Just numbers wise, that is very, very wrong. But anyways, uh, our bullpen is the worst in the league. It desperately needs an anchor, and they gave away Merriweather. Everyone saw this guy as a stud, but Atkins said, nah, not for us. So, Julian Merriweather, 29.1 innings this year with the Chicago Cubs. They picked him up off of the waiver wire. 3.38 earned run average, a FIP. Just a reminder, FIP is red like ERA, but takes away defensive and park metrics. 2.53 2.53 is his FIP, a whip of 1.36 and 13 Ks per nine. Yes, Julian Merriweather is having himself a nice little season in Chicago. We all saw Julian Merriweather with the Jays, right? This is a oh, dude yes. who, who couldn't stay on the field, always had that... Big P attached to his name, right? Potential. Oh, my goodness, Mm -hmm. the potential on this guy. And I I like seeing that he's doing well. 32 years old, finally kind of 
putting together a healthy season with the Chicago Cubs and he's he's putting up good numbers. But to act like Ross Atkins is such a bumbling idiot that he's he's throwing out closers like it's just revisionist history at this point. I, I I'm not even defending Atkins here, but that's just such a crazy off the wall take of like and and go ahead here, Adam. Sorry, I'm no, I'm I'm just agreeing with you. It's uh, it's it's hilarious to me. I don't know what else to say. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but while we're we're speaking of past Blue Jays, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in his last 15 games batting 186 with an OPS of 598. So there's that streaky Lourdes. There's that cold streak in Lourdes. I'm cheering. I, like this is the thing, right? I hate I hate needing to frame it as like a win or a loss on every single guy that comes. Like this Nick Frazzo kid that they traded for Mitch White last trade deadline is a perfect example of why bolstering your rotation at the trade deadline can hurt. And yeah, he is putting up incredible numbers at double a with the Dodgers to the point that there's blue Jay fans out there. I know I saw a Twitter account the other day that, that that basically framed it as we should have traded Ricky Tiedemann and kept Frazzo. Okay, that's a hot take. It's a hot take. I just feel like Jays fans are spiraling here, and I don't know how I missed this spiral train. Like I, I I'm not thrilled with where the Jays are at, but I, I just don't like all the calls for them to trade Vladdy and rebuild. I <laughs> hey, well, we're on the topic of Lourdes Curiel Jr. Uh the all-star ballot fan vote update as of June 12th as Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, third place in National League outfielder votes. I wonder Pretty if cool. that has anything to do with Jays fans. I bet it does. Well, I mean, Jays fans have been hitting the ballot box hard because Vladdy, number one at first base, Matt yeah. Chapman, number one at third base, uh, Bobachat miles Belt. ahead at shortstop. So kudos to Bobachat. Well deserved. Yes. Uh, yeah, Brandon Belt's doing good in the voting. Uh, Whit Merrifield doing good in the voting. Yeah. I don't know. Here's the thing Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has more all star votes than Corbin Carroll on the Diamondbacks, which is insane. That seems ludicrous to me. Um, what a rookie season that kid's having, eh? Yeah, but uh, Lourdes, hot start. I mean, mm -hmm. everyone remembers a hot start. So, I mean, that's probably a, a big part of uh, Chapman and Vladdy getting all-star votes too, to be honest, is hot start, casual fan, looks at the stats, looks at the batting average. They're still inflated because of uh, a good April and May. So, I don't know. Mm -hmm. but. Okay, so let's get into this Baltimore series here. The Orioles taking two of three against the Blue Jays. Baltimore is for real, man. And this is where I walk back everything I said in the offseason about not thinking that they could take the next step forward, just feeling that they were putting too much pressure on their young stars to take another step forward, not believing that they had starting pitching. I still think their starting pitching sucks. Um, I mean, outside of Tyler Wells, who is putting 
put together a really nice little season for himself here. And and yes, listen, even guys like Dean Kramer have taken steps forward over the last month. The fact that the Orioles are winning in spite of their starting pitching is very, very scary stuff. Their bullpen is absolutely lights out. And I still think the Blue Jays come the end of the season are going to be much, much closer to the Orioles than six games, than the six games that separate them currently. Uh, but the Orioles have definitely put them spot, themselves in a spot to get into the playoffs, which was not where I thought that they would be at this point in June. So props to the Orioles. I mean, Adley Rushman is for real. Gunnar Henderson, who struggled out of the gate, looks incredible now. And you know what really is frustrating, Adam, mm. is the free agent acquisitions that were really underwhelming in the offseason the Orioles made have panned out in every single way possible. Like Adam Frazier has been excellent for them, manning second base. Ryan O'Hearn, like how Ryan O'Hearn is putting up the numbers he's putting now, and obviously things tend to level out with time. But my goodness, what a start to the season for that man. Everything is going right for the Orioles right now. And I think we will see the Orioles get cold at some point in this season. I know we saw it with the Rays. But for the most part, they've been the most consistent team in the American League East, despite the fact that they are four games or whatever it is back of Tampa Bay. So Baltimore is for real. I do take back thinking that they're not going to be legit in 2023. My prediction was that they would they would be playoff contenders and, and be where they are right now next year. And so good for them for taking... Like, honestly, Gunnar Henderson's 21 years old, gang. Like, Adley Rushman's 24. That was a lot to put on these young kids and think that they could handle it. And the fact they have, you know, kudos to the front office and the player development system within the Orioles for recognizing it so the blue jays their bats just didn't show up in this series they did they did win a game and it was 3-1 and and that's kind of been the way that this team has been winning games lately when they win is is low scoring great pitching outings and and i'll be honest man you look at the numbers and it it's really tough to wrap your head around because the blue jays offense has been incredibly strange this year the team ranks second in hits in all of baseball with 635. They're second in batting average with 265 behind only the Rangers and third in on-base percentage. Uh, but their slugging is at 422, and that ranks ninth in all of baseball. And their their runs scored at 317 comes in at 11th, and you start talking runners in scoring position, it gets pretty scary. They're down to 20th. Like, how do you analyze that? It's so easy for fans to sit here and scream about guys not being clutch. But look at baseball statistics throughout history. Clutch tends to work itself out in the wash, and we haven't seen that happen yet. I mean, I don't have a a good answer other than 
I'm happy with, but not satisfied with our six games above 500 record at this point in the season. Yeah. Like it's yeah. this. There's been so many tough Adam. losses, man. There's been so many tough losses, tough losses, especially to the ALE. So I, I broke this down this morning. The Blue Jays have a 674 win percentage. They're 31 and 15 against all non-AL East teams. They're 16 games above 500 when they're not playing an AL East team. They have a 304 win percentage when they play the AL East. They're 7 and 16 against their own division. But Adam, it gets even more fucky than that, man. Okay? They're 1 and 9 against Boston and Baltimore. What were we 18 and 1 against the Red Sox last year? 18 and 1. So even if you start breaking this down, right? They're 7 and 16 against AL East teams, which is horrible. But they're actually 6 and 6 if you just take out the Boston and Baltimore. Two teams have been the Achilles heel of this Toronto Blue Jays this season. Yeah, those are two important teams though. They are two very important teams and I'm not by any means trying to d- diminish the hole that they have dug for themselves. But also I kind of feel a little bit better about where they are. Just knowing that their biggest struggles have been those two teams. Like they're playing the Yankees and the Rays pretty tight. It's not like we can sit back and celebrate that six and six, but it sure looks a heck of a lot better than, than seven and 16. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I guess. Ugh. It's a silver lining, but it's also frustrating to know that the Blue Jays... It's not like the Blue Jays are beating up on the bad teams, inflating our record against Oakland and the Royals and whatever, and then can't compete with teams like the the Rays and, and the Orioles and the Yankees. Like This is where it's a little bit of a crapshoot, and it's 162 games for a, a reason, right? Is mm-hmm. Things need to shake out. And and this is know. where I'm not saying we should dismiss everything that's happening, but at the same time, and I like the way you said that, it stems to reason things are going to shake out a little bit, right? Like the Blue Jays aren't always going to be the worst team with runners in scoring position. Mathematically, no, like the the averages have to start swinging the other way a little. I mean, the most important time for it to matter is in October. As long as you get there. Uh, don't feel confident that that is going to happen the way I did in March. We do need like a run. Yes. I don't know when that happens. We do need like a 15 game winning streak or something. So. Keeping in mind, the Blue Jays are 31 and 15 against non-AL East teams and that they haven't buckled against good teams as long as those good teams aren't Boston and Baltimore. The Blue Jays play the Texas Rangers in this next series. Now, the Rangers, obviously the number one team in the American League West. 
they have been very good. But the Blue Jays did just handle the Astros nicely, winning three of four. Okay, so they faced in the Houston. Rangers They in Houston. They faced the Rangers. They faced the Miami Marlins. Now, yes, the Marlins aren't the, the god-awful team that maybe they were a couple of years ago. They're slightly above 500. They are not an AL East team, though. And we have seen what the Blue Jays do against non-AL East teams. So the schedule goes as, as follows. Texas, Miami, Oakland, San Francisco, Boston, Chicago White Sox, Detroit Tigers All-Star break. Ooh, this feels like a real This feels like a to time to make hay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, let's grind some meat in this meat grinder. Let's oh, and let's not yeah. and let's not get swept by the Red Sox if we can also okay, avoid by the Red doing Sox. that. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is an opportunity here. Um we need something electric to happen. We need some some weird game to just be a catalyst and get this team going. Um, I don't know. It's not too late. There's lots of time left, but it's also like pretty quickly approaching the midway point. And uh, we're hanging around. I, in my head, kind of had the idea if they were 10 games above 500 come July 1st, this team's sitting okay. I still think that. And they're not that far off of doing that. Yeah. So 10 games above 500 July 1st would put them in the area to be 20 games above 500 come the end of the season, which is 92 wins, 91 wins. It's not great. I predicted 93 wins at the beginning of the season. They're still sort of on pace. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, the AL East is just, it's historically good. It's always good. Historically good. good. But it's just, I mean, it's historically good. It's historically (laughs) good. And that's where I keep coming to when it's like, oh, freaking Atkins sucks and whatever. It's like, we've built a good team. Like, I can't be, can I harp on like bullpen and our 26th man? Like, sure. But like, Name a team that can't. Name a team that's yeah. just like, oh, we have no holes. Like, it's unfortunate that the Rays are having a historic season and the Baltimore Orioles are like way overachieving. This is a team that did nothing in the offseason. All they did was have every single one of their prospects take another big step forward. Yeah. Kudos to them. Truly. You can't bank on that. That has nothing to do with like scouting department or a good GM like they had a top five draft pick for like 10 years in a row. And now they're starting to see those, the fruits of, of, of those results, right? Like that's not, that's not a good GM. That's good luck. That's good fortune is what it is, right? The same way we're fortunate that Bo and Vlad panned out the way they did, Mm -hmm. right? You can go into Vlad having a, a, a regressive season this year. It is what it is. Those are going to happen. Guess what? So is Adley Rushman at some point. It's working out for the Orioles right now. I still got to come back to the Jays of just we're a good team and we're underperforming. But like, again, if we were in the AL Central, we'd probably have just as many wins as the Rays right now. I don't know. Is Mm -hmm. that crazy to say? It's not crazy to say. I think the division, I mean, but... We can play that game with every AL East team too. 
Who no, knows? that's but that's like, my point is that like the AL yeah. the AL East is just like it's it is what grinder. it is. It Here, is, here's, it is. Here's where it comes down to. There's not a single team in baseball that I feel like we have no shot at beating come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Like you give me a three game series against the Orioles. I don't know. Hopefully we're I like hot. Our pitching. Like, yeah, give me Gossman, Bassett, Barrios. That's my three. Like, I feel good about all three of those guys. We'll talk about Barrios yeah. here in a second. Uh, yes, we will. Okay, well, let's move on here to three studs and a dud. I think we uh, we got thorough enough with that Baltimore series. I think we even hit a little Week 12 preview in there. So, Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, week 11 awards. Before we get to this, we missed Week 10 awards. I'm not going to do a full recap of Week 10 awards, but I do want to say honorable mention Alejandro Kirk. Mm-hmm. He started 12 of 16 games while Danny Jansen was on the injured list. This has been my biggest fear with Alejandro Kirk. Can he handle a full workload? When Danny Jansen went down. I thought we'd either get a hefty dose of Heinemann. The magic or... man. I was worried. I'm just going to say it. I was worried about Alejandro Kirk catching 75% of the games. Uh, He went 16 for 51. He hit a 314 batting average over the last two weeks while Danny Jansen was out. So tip of the cap to Alejandro Kirk kind of performed admirably. Yeah. Well, Danny Jansen was away. So very cool. Okay. Um, As for stud number three. Stud number three, this could have gone to a few different guys in the bullpen who had some pretty good weeks, but leading the way in innings pitched was the big difference for one Nate Pearson, who's your third stud of the week. Uh, Five innings pitched, he continues to show what everything we could ask for under Nate Pearson. Mm -hmm. Control is there. Velocity is there. He's hitting 102 at times. Um, the breaking stuff looks good. It's working for him. He's yeah. Just yesterday he threw his, his, his fastest pitch in the major leagues, 101.8 miles per hour. So I'm going to round that up to 102. Yeah. Nate Pearson. We talked circle of trust earlier in the season. Nate Pearson's inside my circle of trust securely right now. Me too. Yeah, I all due respect to Jordan Romano. I feel like my top three in order of confidence goes Eric Swanson, Nate Pearson, Jordan Romano. How crazy is that? I might be in that boat as well. And it's not that I don't have confidence in the Markham Madman. It's just he has been doing this thing this season where he'll come in to close a game and give up a run. Yeah. He's not blowing saves. Yeah. I mean, he has blown a couple, but he, you know, like it, no. it's not like it's a disaster when he comes in. When I do this order of, of Swanson, then Pearson, then Romano, I do acknowledge that. 
Nate Pearson isn't closing games, so there's a difference, mm-hmm. right? There is a difference in the leverage. I'll acknowledge that. And I'm not, just by having Jordan Romano at number three does not mean I think he should lose his job. I'm just more nervous in the ninth with Romano on the mound than I am in the seventh with Pearson on the mound or in the eighth with Swanson on the mound. Yeah, Jordan Romano has been inconsistent when it comes to his fastball velocity this season, and he's been inconsistent with hitting his spots with his sliders. His walk rate is up marginally from his career average. Again, and I think we both touched on this, Adam. Like, Like, I don't think he should lose the closing job or anything like that. And I do have confidence in Jordan Romano. And he is firmly within that circle of trust. However, I have to agree with you that if we're going to rank the guys that give me the least anxiety, it does have to go Swanson, Pearson, Romano. Yeah, I, I Romano still struggles with like runners on, it seems. And I almost feel better about him with a coming into the game in the ninth with a one run lead than with a three mm-hmm. run lead. I feel like I don't know if he just rises to the occasion more in like a four three game than he does in a six three game, but I think I've made this reference before, but here's an old 1980s hockey Alberta reference for everybody. Jordan Romano's kind of like Grant Fuhr Uh, was in net (laughs) for the Oilers, right? Where if it, if it was a two, one game, Grant Fuhr is not letting in another game, another goal. Right. But if it was a seven, one game, he will allow five more goals to be scored. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, For sure. No, that's perfect. Uh, But yeah, Nate Pearson, uh, your third stud of the week. I guess what it comes down to is when he's taking the ball, I just knock on wood. I have like zero concerns that he's going to implode. I don't necessarily feel like, oh, here's a three up, three down inning. Or I don't necessarily feel like, oh, Tim Mays has pitched himself into a jam. Let's bring in Nate Pearson to save the day. I'm not like... I know Nate Pearson is not elite yet. Uh, long ways to go for Nate still, but encouraged by the progress. But I don't know if you saw, I mean, you mentioned that you missed one of the losses to Minnesota. There was the, I think it was the Alec Manoa start where we had Trevor Richards go for three and then Bowden Francis came in mm-hmm. and then they gave the ball to Adam Simber and we had, I think it was a three, one lead. And then Adam yeah, Simber gave up like, eight runs in the eighth yeah. inning and like, ugh. um, I just have no concerns about Nate Pearson having an outing like that. So anyways, for him, third star of the week, uh, he's a stud, uh, this week. Okay. Stud number two, um, is a hitter, a hitter with two home runs, uh, led the team in RBIs this week, a 308 batting average, and an OPS of 1.126. Our first baseman. Uh, our first baseman, Kevin Biggio. <laughs> uh, 
what uh, yeah. a week he he has had though i know we're laughing and i i can't say anything bad i mean the dude is doing what he has to do his swing looks really good he's showing some power i mean my god he turned around on that 101 mile an hour fastball last night in the ninth or yesterday afternoon i should say yeah. and they did the the graphic over top of he hit it so far and so high they couldn't determine whether it was a home run or not because the foul pole wasn't high enough and of course <laughs> they do the graphic and it looks like it was actually a home run i mean this is where pretty frustrating to see the jays give up that insurance run yeah obviously it would probably be more frustrating losing 3-2 and wondering about that Kevin Biggio bomb but uh, yeah, the Jays have done this a couple times in the eighth or the ninth when they're down by one or a tie game and they give up that one run and then just can't, can't just finish reach. it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so honorable mention to Santiago Espinal, uh, who we've been ragging on a bunch just as much as Kevin Bichio had himself a decent little week, uh, three for 10, good for a 300 batting average OPS of 800. Uh, two RBIs for Santiago Espinal. So limited nice. uh, appearances like Cavan. Cavan gets the nod because of the two home runs. Also with two home runs in even more limited action, uh, returning from the injured list, Danny Jansen went three for 10, two home runs. So Danny Jansen, uh, man, if he can stay on the field, the kid love has me. power. Love me some Danny Man, Jansen. Does he ever love going the other way with that? Eh? Left yep. field. Look out. There you go. Okay. Uh, stud number one this week. Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios uh, has been incredibly impressive. And, and this actually is going to seamlessly transfer into our Next topic, which is Jose Barrios. Okay, let me, you know what? Let me backtrack on this. We'll get to Jose Barrios in a second. Let's do the dud first then, and then we can okay. talk Jose Barrios. Okay. So it was a three-horse race for our dud this week. This came down to Adam Simber, Chris Bassett, and Gary Gossman. Uh, Gary Gossman, not a real contender for dud of the week, although... By his standards, uh, definitely a disappointing outing. That was six earned runs through four and two-thirds innings, uh, four strikeouts, and four walks. Not what you like to see what, out of Gossman. What saved him from being the dud here? My guess would be the fact that he gave most of those runs up in the first inning and still took the ball and ran with it when they needed innings. So, Yeah, I mean, this is the day after uh, the big bullpen day with Alec Manoa being down in uh, Florida. So Gary Gossman uh, bails himself out and grinds through uh, what could have been a very ugly start and salvaged it into being a, just a pretty bad start. I don't know. It was still uh, an 11, five ERA uh, for the day, but Chris Bassett uh, only got through three innings, gave up eight earned runs. Uh, three of them were home runs. He just look. This is the this is the analysis that we've come to on Chris Bassett is that he is going to be really good 
for four starts and then really bad for one. And that's the, that's the general flow. So it's he such was due an for a stinker and it came. It's such an interesting prototype for a pitcher, eh? A guy who truly, you look at his ERA at the end of the year, it's going to be between that 3.5 and four, but four out of every five, he's got an ERA under two. Like it's, it's really yeah. this, this weird, what it is. it's this weird. I mean, look, that's, like it's, it's the difference between a saw young pitcher and a Chris Bassett is, you know, a Justin Verlander or a you know, name, whatever pitcher you want, who's in their prime and just dealing is even on their bad games. They're still like, you know, three runs over six innings, you know, <laughs> it's just... and, and, and that is the difference. That is the difference. And that's a great point is that when Chris Bassett blows up, he's going 4.2 innings and giving up six earned runs. And when Justin Verlander's off, he's going 4.2 innings and he's given up three. Right. So that's, that's the difference between a Cy Young winner and Chris Bassett. And I am thrilled to have Chris Bassett on Me this too. team. I'll he's take been... it every day. Oh my God. Like where would, we, where would the Absolutely. Jays be without him? Absolutely. Not pretty. Uh, but earning your full on dud of the week is Adam Simber. Um, sorry to my dad. Who's a big Adam Simber fan. Uh, part of it is look, Chris Bassett was not pitching in a game where it was a surefire win. Adam Simber was, we we're up three, two going or three, one going into the eighth, into the eighth. and just an absolute implosion. Um, that's unfortunate. He got, he got hit around pretty hard. Uh, just the one home run, but he gave up a pile of hits. Just couldn't get anybody out. Six earned runs in one inning. That's that's a tough way to lose that game against the Twins. So I feel like, and you touched on it earlier, we went two and four this week. It felt worse because that Twins series, we could have swept. That could have been a 3-0 against the it, Twins. It truly could have been, yeah. So anyways, that is your uh, studs and a dud. Week 11, Jose Barrios. Uh, let's dive into him in depth. I'm all the way well, back now. I'm I'm on board with Jose Barrios. Yeah, so am I. It's it's hard not to be not to be. I mean, the guy has been so crisp lately with his pitches. Just uh, forget the numbers for a second and just do the eye test on Jose Barrios. His confidence is he looks like he did for this team in September of 2021. His confidence is through the roof. You can see the swagger when he comes off of the mound. He's hitting his spot with that slurve and his four seam fastball has been the best I've seen it since he was basically a Minnesota twin. He's hitting 95, 96. So his velo is back where it should be. His secondary stuff has been as as good as we've seen it as Blue Jays fans. And, and you know, like if you think back to, to the 2021 trade deadline when they moved Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson for Jose Barrios, I think it really shook the Blue Jays fan foundation 
that they moved two guys who were top 10 prospects within the organization. Not something you see teams do very often, right? I know you and I were kind of beside ourselves, Adam, and it was it was more the shock than it was the return of Jose Barrios. It's just deals like that don't happen very often. And then Jose Barrios came in right out after the um after the trade and he struggled for a couple of weeks we saw a couple of stinkers we were all worried and then all of a sudden he stopped bringing his arms above his head right Pete Walker tightened him up when it came to his delivery and he turned out to be the best pitcher on this Toronto Blue Jays staff right up until the end of the season where they were sitting watching that Boston and Washington series, hoping the Red Sox would lose and that they'd advance. Of course, that never wound up happening. Then this front office did something that everyone celebrated as a huge win, which was extend Jose Barrios seven years with an opt-out after five. And this was, of course, going to be a player opt-out. It it was a backloaded contract. So Year six and seven, Jose Barrios is is slated to make, I think it's $27 million each of those years. Enter 2022, and I can't even think of a, a full-on faceplant quite like what we saw out of Jose Barrios. He just didn't look like the same pitcher. And this is so different than what we're seeing out of Alec Manoa, a young 25-year-old who only has a, a year and a half of experience in the bigs, right? Jose Barrios had been doing it for seven years. Jose Barrios is is turning 29 this season, right? Like, it's one of those things where you turn the, the baseball card over after a guy's been in the league for five, six, seven years, and normally... What you see is what you get. And all of us were just like, my God, if we could even have the Jose Barrios career average, mm -hmm. this would be a lot easier to swallow such a huge contract extension with so much money invested. And it's hard to, to shit on that deal as a fan when we were all so convinced it was a win. And I think that was the real dagger in the heart for most of us in 2022 with Jose Barrios is it was just the expectations were so high. We saw what he did at the end of 2021, the, the re-up feeling like he had found the next gear. And I think that was where the real disappointment was. As we looked at his career average, we saw that change in his delivery delivered or uh, provided by Pete Walker. And we were convinced he was going to be 1A right next to, to Alec Manoa. Well, okay. We, we talked about it a little bit with the bullpen and the power rankings of those three guys at the back of the bullpen. And just recognizing that the leverage factor um for Jordan nice. Romano matters, right? So I guess where, where I come down to to tie this back into Jose Barrios is he's gone from being our opening day starter to our number four. Like how much is that 
just allowed him to be like, let himself off the hook, just go out there and throw. You know, like when the expectations aren't there for him to be our Gary Gossman, our Alec Manoa, you know, to just go. And he's just like, I just got to go out there and be Jose. I'll be Jose plus on some days, but I'll never be Jose C minus, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, I mean, I think it probably helped. It's, I mean, we all know that the order of starting pitchers really only matters for the first week of the season when you break it down, but I okay. Think, sure. But I just mean in terms of like who we had. No, you're around right. him, right? Like, yes, he was brought in. He was our big trade acquisition. He immediately got the mega deal contract extension. Everything about Jose Barrios in what was it? 2021. That offseason going into 2022 was he's he's our guy. He's, this is our our guy that like yeah maybe we get a couple Cy Youngs out of this guy was the mentality. You know we just shipped off Simeon Woods Richardson who was one of our top pitching prospects. I think maybe our top pitching prospect at the time, and Austin Martin who was our number one prospect. Our number one system. prospect, right? Like our our guy who was like maybe the shortstop of the future. Um, so there was a lot of expectations on, on what we needed out of Jose Brios. Uh, while we're on the topic of Simeon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin, I do have their numbers pulled up right now. Uh, Woods Richardson, not looking good. Uh, struggling with control. The walks are not where yeah. you'd like to see them. Um, he did. Start the season with the Twins this year. Uh, only pitched in one game. Allowed five earned runs in about four innings. 5.8 walks per nine. Got sent down to AAA. He's played 10 games down there. He's 0-5 as a starter. Uh, walks per nine, still ugly. 5.5 walks per nine. And strikeouts per nine, only 7.7. So... Uh, disappointing start to the 2023 campaign for Simeon's with Richardson, Austin Martin, um, injured at the moment with a UCL sprain, but has not looked good. Is he also in AAA, Adam? No, he's, um, he was, so the highest he's played in the twins organization is double a has not had a sniff of triple a. Uh, this season he's played rookie ball and a ball. Wow. So they lowered him down. One thing to keep in mind, uh, Blue Jays fans is that he was in New Hampshire, double a with the Fisher cats when he was traded. So in New Hampshire, he had a 2021 in New Hampshire. He had a 281 batting average and OPS of 807. Um, this season, 167 batting average. In rookie ball. Wow. In rookie ball. So, again, it's only three games, and then he's been injured with a UCL sprain, which I believe is yeah. in the elbow. So, but, I, look, I didn't like the trade when it happened, but for anybody that 
likes to point out how terrible of a GM Ross Atkins is. This one we have to call a win at this point. Right? Chalk one up for Ross Atkins. Even if you still don't like him, we have to acknowledge this is probably a in hindsight, a good trade, a trade that he won. Or is you it still too early to tell? I, I it might I mean, I think I think the trade was a win if you just look at what he provided in 2021 and where Simeon Woods Richardson is and Austin Martin and their development. Both of those guys have not developed like the twins obviously figured they would, or like the Jays system even figured they would. Now, 2022 Jose Barrios, and that's where we're getting to here, is what has happened because 2023 Jose Barrios, if this is the pitcher we traded for, this is a huge win. Yes. Right. So let's let's get into the numbers here because Jose Barrios currently in Major League Baseball, if you start looking at all the numbers, sits about 12th in starting pitchers, just outside of the top 10 for best pitchers in all of baseball. And uh, he's putting himself together quite a tidy little season here. Is this me? It's my turn. Yeah. Do you have the numbers? Sorry. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> sorry. Um, all right. So this season he's got a 3.28 ERA uh, strikeouts per nine, 7.9. Uh, not quite what you'd like to see, but the walks per nine, 2.6. Uh, that's a lot better. ERA plus 124. So that is uh, adjusted for, I think, league average is 100. Mm-hmm. So he's, what, 24 points above league average? I hate... Yep some of these stats because I sometimes I overthink them and sometimes I underthink them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, they, they look good. I mean, 328. They look great, honestly. Is, uh, Jose Barrios struggled out of the gate too. His first three weeks of the season by far have been his worst. Since May, the guy has been the best pitcher on this staff, numbers-wise, which when you've got Gary Gosman, that's <laughs> saying some pretty impressive stuff. By the way, for everyone who's like, why do they keep saying Gary Gosman? This is a callback from a mistake on an earlier episode. <laughs> so for driving you all nuts, this is just us making fun of ourselves here. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the inside of the joke. There you go. Um... Anything to add on Jose Barrios here? Because... I did want to touch on Alec Manoa, but I didn't want to rush through here. Um, yes. Let me just pull this up for a quick reference. Um, at this point last season, well, you know what? Let's look at the whole season. Uh, Jose Barrios didn't pitch, didn't make an appearance in the fifth inning. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight, nine times last season. Nine times he was either pulled in the fourth inning or earlier. Uh, This season, we're almost at the halfway point. That's only happened once. For me, that's almost the biggest indication of what I wanted to see out of Jose Barrios. Mm -hmm. If, If he was having a Chris Bassett type season where he was lights out, 
for eight starts and ugly for four starts, I'd be more concerned. Mm-hmm. So I His really like what I'm seeing really out of this. Impressive. Yes. The yeah. floor, he's really raised the floor because that's always been the thing, or at least for me with Jose Barrios is this is a guy that it is an absolute coin toss. It felt like who could absolutely go out. If you need him to pitch in game eight of the wild or game eight in game three of the wild card series, he could give you eight shutout innings. He could also give up eight runs before recording an out. And I don't know which would be more likely. So mm-hmm. very concerning. But this year, I feel so much better about him. Oh, and he's been nails. It's been awesome. I've been reluctant to give my vote of confidence to Jose Barrios because I feel hey, like... Hey, buddy, we waited. It is June waited. 16th. Like, we, we held off getting on the Jose Barrios train, but here we are. And just to speak money for a little bit here, sure is nice to see uh, that big contract extension that they gave to Jose Barrios not be quite the albatross anymore. It looks pretty good. Speaking of money, Yusei Kikuchi's $12 million he's making this season, or I guess he made 16 last year, which felt like a complete ripoff. But this year he's making 10 because it was front loaded. And $10 million for Yusei Kikuchi in 2023? Yes, please. Looks pretty good. 4-3-1 Four three one ERA. I mean, it's well below the career average of four nine two. This is another guy. I mean, strikeouts are, I think, the lowest they've ever been, save for his rookie season. Uh, nine strikeouts per nine, still not bad, better than Barrios. But the walks per nine, last season at five point two, horrific. This season two point nine, almost. That's cut the lowest down. they've been in his career. So. Uh, big kudos to Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, and, and listen, he is both. only he is only going five innings most of his outings. But you know what? That's if you fine. can get your fifth pitcher, your fifth starter to come out and give you five every fifth day, uh, you got to chalk that up to a win, man. Totally, totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy with everyone in this rotation except for Alec Manoa. We talk Alec Manoa. Yes. Now, the big man was really expected to carry this staff this season, and it's been a it's been a tumultuous twenty twenty three for the kid. So, can I jump in here and just ask you one question? Yeah. Those expectations that we had for Alec Manoa were they unfair, or were they warranted? No, I think they were warranted. I think, so I think after what he did in the last year and a half and not having a struggle with every step up that he took in his career, it would stem to reason we'd expect this out of him. You know, and I, I get what you're getting at because like if this was Ricky Tiedemann getting called up, I know our expectations would be unfairly high. I just don't mm-hmm. think that that is that it's the same scenario with Alec Manoa. One thing I will say about what the Blue Jays are doing with the kid, I love it, man. We haven't seen video of Alec Manoa. We haven't seen photos of him. We haven't seen anything but the odd little update. I know Keegan Matheson, friend of the show and head Blue Jays writer with MLB.com, uh, said Alec Manoa will pitch a simulated game in Dunedin today, aiming for roughly five innings. He's going to be facing Blue Jays players who are there at the complex 
live batters, most of whom are younger prospect in a controlled environment. We're not going to get video of this. Is this full on pitching lab? This is like in the batting cages. They have the high speed cameras and everything, right? Full on pitching lab. It's been interesting to see the way they're dealing with him. I, I, I'm kind of excited about it, man. Like, I'm like, they're rebuilding Alec Manoa right now. And the fact that they are doing it out of everybody's eyesight, I also really respect. I think that that's going to be really good for the kid. Ever So much pressure has been on him. Not just for fans, by the way. He's probably his own worst enemy with the amount of pressure that he puts on himself. And I think it just got to the point where it was too much to deal with at the big league level. And I don't mean necessarily just mentally he couldn't take it anymore. It's just like you hit a point where the talent and the skill of hitters in the big leagues is just too much to overcome when you're trying to tweak and change little things in your delivery, right? So going down to the pitching lab and letting him full on not even worry if he's going to get hit, right? Just get a feel for some of these yeah. changes. Like if you've ever done a, a, I'm not even good at baseball, but like I've had, I've done swing tweaks or like, you know, change something. And it, it feels so unnatural at first, man. It feels so wrong. And it just doesn't, it just, it's so hard to in a game, have your brain line up with your physical side of things and just be seamless. So I love that he is out of sight, out of mind right now. Yeah, I mean, certainly what's best for him. Um, how long do you think he's gone for? End of August. End of August. Do you see him getting called up before then? Like, can you see him back before the All-Star break? I think it's like we're known for our toxic positivity here. I think it's more likely we don't see him at all this year than we see him before the all-star break. Okay. I like that. I, I actually feel the same way. Would love I think to hear we'll, what the I think we'll see thinks. him at some point this season, but yeah. I think it might not be till like September. Yeah. Like I think a, this is a... going to be a real, and here's the thing. Because we've talked about the way the way he was called up. We've talked about Ricky Tiedemann and what's the right time to call him up. What we don't want to have happen is we don't want to call him up when we're struggling. Yeah. Right? We don't want to be calling him up because we maybe he's him. not ready, but we <laughs> need him. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to be like, well, he's down in AAA and he's doing all right and we're desperate for arms. We need Alec Manoa. We do not. That Us. is not. I think if that's the situation, I don't think we do it. But if we are, you know, if we have that hot streak, if we have that, you know, we've won 20 of the last 23 games kind of a thing in mid-August, that's the perfect time to bring them up. You know, mm -hmm. when when we don't need them and the pressure's off, right? We talked about it with Jose Barrios. For, just from going from being our the face of our rotation to be in like, no, just, just go out there and just do you what a world of difference that can even make. So would love to hear what the grounds crew thinks about this. When do you think we see big Puma back in a blue Jays Jersey Adams? 
kind of guessing uh, September-ish. I'm thinking end of August. Both of us don't think it's before the All-Star break. In fact, I'm with you, Adam, on saying I strongly believe it's far more likely we don't see Alec Minow at all this season than it is we see him before July 8th when the All-Star break starts. I just, I I can't see it. Um, Okay. Before we move on to Vladdy here, and I don't wish to get too into Vladdy. I know everyone's talking Vladdy. Everyone's questioning Vladdy. So we'll just kind of give our opinions on, on where we think this kid is, is headed because there's all the talk of the, should he be traded and stuff like that? So we will touch on that. Uh, Alec Manoa. When do you think he joins the Vancouver Canadians and starts doing rehab starts do you think he's do you think he we might not even see him do that until after the all-star break yeah wow yeah i think part of it too is going to be limiting the workload and just focusing on the the rehabilitation the recovery put him in some hyperbaric chamber and uh (laughs) you know let those uh let the magic happen he needs to recover. I don't know. Get the deer antler spray out. Chalk them full of uh, stem cells and whatever legal steroids we can we can get across. But uh, I think this, I, look, John Schneider and Atkins and everybody has to keep reiterating that, like, he's going to be down. He's going to miss, like, a few times through the rotation. I think that's more of a nobody panic Mm -hmm. type of verbiage than any sort of genuine insight into what there's what their actual approach is i think it's going to be a real long-term thing i think it's don't expect them back anytime soon but also don't panic because like if they just said look we're shutting them down for the year if they just came out and said that yesterday it would be pandemonium Mm mm-hmm Right. I, I honestly pa- believe Alec I- Manoa has the ability to do what Marcus Stroman did for this team in 2015 when he came back from injury. I know slightly different scenario here, but I think that Alec Manoa has big game pitcher in him. And if he can get right, is going to be the addition this team needs in the end of August that will blow people's mind. Here, Here's another, and I like that. Here's another reason I think what we're hearing from the front office is that we're going to go send him down for a few times through the order is a ploy to salvage trade leverage. Because if we go to the Colorado Rockies or the Chicago White Sox, and they They're know... Like, you're desperate. <laughs> yeah, you're desperate. You just lost your your 1B or your 1A for the season. You guys have sh- shut Alec Manoa down. Yeah. Price goes up, right? But if it's, uh, well, no, we don't. we could use a guy, sure, but we don't need a guy. We've got Alec BS. coming back. We got He's Alec coming back. Ace. He's like four weeks away. We're going to get him right, and then we're good. We could use a stopgap guy in the meantime, when in reality, they're like, no, yeah. we freaking need a guy. So, <laughs> I don't know. That's my that's my idea. Anyways, is that uh, he's going to be down for a long time. I think they know it, and I think they're lying to us, and I don't blame them for doing it. I think mm-hmm. they'd be crazy. if I'd be frustrated if they didn't. So, Okay. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yes. He stinks. 
Cut him. Send him down to single A. Send him down to the Florida complex. Get him some live at bats versus Alec Manoa. What else is there to say? <laughs> I mean, can we DFA him? Is it too early to DFA him? So he has like, been biggest moved. bust since Biggio. What else can I say? He's been moved from the three hole to the four hole. We Did I do enough seen... to reverse jinx him, Scott? Did I just do enough to reverse jinx him? I think you're putting in the time. <laughs> you know, you're putting in the effort, and that's all we can ask. Out all right, all Honestly, right. I. I Let's just start with this then, Adam. How can, listen, you look at his numbers, he's still above average. This is still an above average first baseman anywhere you put him in the league. I know how hard he is struggling right now. It is, he's a, he's, he's a shell of what he was in 2021. Do you think this is who Vladdy is? Or are you far more on the idea that this is a big time slump? Ah, boy. That's a, that's a real loaded question. Real loaded question. So he's hitting 284. Coincidentally, career numbers also 284. lot of singles this year Mm -hmm. the power has been disappointing obviously for anybody who's been to a blue jays game in toronto still waiting for their first chance to catch a home run from vladdy which is wild (sighs) crazy but i mean home runs come in bunches as they say right just like errors uh i'm not ready to say that i think this is like Laddie's going to be a 280 hitter that hits 25 to 30 home runs for the rest of his life. I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. I would say on a scale of probability, do I think it's more likely that f- Ooh, how do I how do I want to word this? That he finishes, I think he'll finish his career with a batting average under 300 in the 280, 290 range. And I think if he averages under 30 home runs a season, the rest of the way, I think that's more likely than he ever hits 50. Interesting. I think, I think he's more likely to average. 29 home runs for the next 15 years than he is to ever hit 50 home runs in a single season. I don't know if either one is likely. I'm really just talking out of my ass right now, but that's, that's my, that's my gut. That's me letting my gut put words out of my mouth hole. I really hope you're wrong. Like I, I really do hope that Vladdy is just in the biggest stinker of his career. And he is. He is. He it's just bad. looks lost up it's, there. It's bad swing decisions is what it comes down to. And I don't know how you fix that. Like, it just either gets fixed or it doesn't. Right? What like, the swing is there. The mechanics look like they're there. He's barreling. He's got one of the highest barrel percentages in baseball still. But velo. I mean, it's like God, the... But... Look, we talk, we talk about this all the time in baseball, right? It's like the first 500 at-bats... 
the hitter new on the league, whatever. The second 500 at-bats, pitchers adjust, right? The next 500, you make your adjustment to the new adjustments from the pitcher, right? And then that's kind of where you are. At the 1,500. At the 1,500 plate appearance. So he's now uh, 2,500 plate appearances. Here's my concern. Here's where I think the more pessimistic version is possible. At this point, the story's out on how to get out Vladdy. Can he make an adjustment? Can he make better swing decisions? I don't know. He At some point, something needs to click. I don't know what it is, but it's not like he has a bad swing. It's not like his timing is off. It's not like he's doing a bad toe tap. He doesn't look out of shape. I, I just need him to just be better. <laughs> it's not it's not good advice. It's not helpful. But if he can make an adjustment, if he can if something can click in his brain, if he can get some sort of tutoring and God knows it's not his dad to tell him what pitches to swing at. It's not his dad. Um <laughs> Yeah, then, yeah. I, don't know, I mean man. if he can Look, if he can start working counts in his favor better, he can start. Because here's the thing. Not every strike is worth even swinging at, right? And once you can kind of wrap your mind around that, that like, hey, this this pitch is in the strike zone, but it's not my pitch, right? The old wait for yours, what you hear minor league coaches yelling at 11-year-olds all across the country, right? All right, wait for yours, right? It's kind of where he's at. It's like he's got to start working some counts being a little bit defensive up there waiting for the pitcher to make a mistake and then capitalizing like uh like a young Kevin Biggio. <laughs> like do you like them moving him out of the three hole? Where is he now though? He's moved down. Yeah, he's he's hitting in the cleanup spot now. I like that less. Yeah. I don't know. It just I'd rather see him hitting one or two. A Vladdy our best heater, bats behind him. A Vladdy heater would sure help turn this season around. It's really been one of the biggest reasons why this offense hasn't clicked like we thought it would. Like what? Here's the thing: is if we moved him up, if we had, if we literally, if he was our leadoff guy, as crazy as that sounds, Vlad one, it, Springer two, Judge approach, yes, Bichette three, right? Then all of a sudden. You can't pitch around Vladdy, right? You can't risk walking him mm -hmm. because if you do, there's like a 50, 50 chance he's getting, he's going to score at that point. Right. Yeah. But if you move him down and now you're worried, like, why would I throw anything good to Vladdy Guerrero? If I'm, if I'm looking at the, the next guy up is a struggling Matt Chapman. Or a hot Kevin Biggio. You know, give me my, I'll take Kevin Biggio all day. I don't want to pitch to Vlad. You know, mm -hmm. Give me Danny Jansen. Give me Santiago Espinal. Whoever's, you know, I'll take Whit Merrifield over, over Vlad. But if he's hitting one, I got to, I got to pitch to him because I am, I'm worried about Bobachet, worried yeah. about George Springer. So I don't know. I'd rather see him. I know it's crazy to think of him as a leadoff guy, but I think protecting his bat is the best thing we could do. I have to agree with you on that. It's one of those 
quagmires they've kind of been in all season where who hits after Vladdy to make sure that they're pitching to him and they haven't really solved that problem. Um, if you're in the comment section, don't even bother typing Teoscar Hernandez would sure be nice right now because yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I know Joel already has his keyboard set up. Yeah. It's just control V. He's just copy and pasting that, that comment. Teoscar would sure be nice right now to protect Vladdy's back. Okay, my dude, we are long in the teeth. Let's wrap this up with the week ahead here. The Blue Jays moving Kevin Gosman in front of the bullpen day in Texas for today. He's going to get the start, which keeps him on regular rest. And of course, one advantage of flipping the rotation this way is they'd only have to rely on a bullpen day once between now. And they're off day, June 22nd. And I know some of you are like, June 22nd's an off day. What are we going to do if we're in Calgary? Guess what? You should come see Adam and I at Bottle Screw <laughs> hey. Bills for our live podcast. Nice. Okay. Uh, it also puts the bullpen in a much better spot. So as it currently stands, you say Kikuchi starts, which typically lasts, like we said, five innings. The bullpen day would be back to back with that which just put, puts pressures on relievers and puts pressure on you say to try and go a little deeper. So they wanted to separate that, put the bullpen day between Gosman and Bassett and put less stress on Kikuchi. So all in all, I like the idea of Gosman going against Texas anyways. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, I guess Maybe one concern that I could come up with, and I don't know if I believe this or not, but is that maybe it puts too much mental pressure on Gary Gossman to go deep that like, Hey, we need you to, but he already knows that is the thing, right? Like that's, that's why it doesn't make a difference. He already knows the expectation is you're pitching into the seventh. If you can go yeah. later. Great. But you're going out there and, and you're throwing the ball 105 times. You're pitching. That's his expectation for himself too. So yeah. love me some Gossman. Um, all right. Does Texas uh... scare you, Adam? Like uh, the Rangers are a good team. And I think that I'm finally coming around to the fact that this is probably who they are, but does Texas worry you more than let's say the Astros? Um, if they still had Jacob deGrom, I'd be more worried. Not that he did much for them. No. Um, man, DeGrom, what a disappointing. Uh, just man. Hall of Famer who will never pitch enough to get into the Hall of Fame. It's heartbreaking. Just going to say he's definitely not, I don't think, a Hall of Famer to me. Sample size, awesome, but just too small. What's crazy is he isn't a Hall of Famer, but also probably the best pitcher to ever throw in the game. Like it's crazy. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah. Like I I'm not taking say... anything away from, from Nolan Ryan no, and no, no, Sandy no, no, Koufax and all that stuff. I'm just saying like, that's how good he is. <laughs> Man, seven of the, maybe the best seven year stretch. Yeah. I don't know. Seven years. Is that? No, I don't know. I don't want to turn this into a Jacob deGrom conversation. Yeah. Um, Texas Rangers. Don't scare me, man. But that's yeah, how just, scare me this is more of a vote of confidence in the Blue Jays than a shot across the bow at the Texas Rangers. 
Like no, but I do think this is a winnable series. Like this is a series the Jays should absolutely take two or three from and start the start the streak. Um, we got an afternoon game on Saturday and Sunday. So we got Gossman versus Perez game one. Bullpen tomorrow. Bullpen tomorrow. So Perez uh Perez is a beatable pitcher. Looking at this right now. Um six and two on the season, but his ERA is four point six seven and a whip of one point five six. Um, yeah, you can get to Martin Perez. Uh, game two, they got Dane Dunning. That's mm-hmm. going to be a harder one. Uh, our bullpen day versus a five and one Dane Dunning with a two seven six ERA and a whip. Dane of Dunning has been a godsend for this Texas Rangers team who has stepped up and taken the spot of Jacob Degrom. He was, of course, in the bullpen, kind of serving as that Ross Stripling piece that the Jays had last year for the Rangers this year. He was great in the bullpen and then literally stepped up and has been excellent in that starting rotation. So, so good on Dane Dunning there. Uh, I think I did want to clear up Bowden France uh, Bowden Francis really quickly here. Cause I know we had a few questions about how Bowden Francis was able to get called back up after only a couple of days. So this is what happened for those of you who don't know when you send a guy down, there's 12 days before you can call him back up. So they, sent Bowden Francis down to the minor leagues after that last bullpen start. Um, And they brought up Thomas Hatch because they needed innings in case exactly what happened happened. And, and, and Gosman blew up for some crazy reason. They needed somebody to come in. So that's exactly what happened. Now they called Bowden Francis back up when they placed Adam Simber on the paternity list. Now, the reason they were able to do this is that there is a little asterisk in those rules where if it's for bereavement or paternity, you can bring up whoever you would like to replace that guy. And then when they come off of the paternity list, you can again bring any put anybody back down. So the Blue Jays kept Bowden Francis in Toronto. They didn't even send him back to Buffalo. They obviously knew that this was what they were going to do with putting Adam Simber on the paternity list Sneaky. for his kids, his kids' birth. So while this all played out, Bowden Francis was able to only technically be in the minors for three days. I just know that I had a couple of people message on Twitter being like, how the hell is this possible. I think I, I, think I texted you and you texted too. Cause yeah. I was, I didn't realize I, I already knew the answer anything. because I had to look it up because other nice. people had messaged me though. So I, there you go. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Uh, there you go. Game three. We've got Chris Bassett on the mound versus John Gray, John Gray, uh, better Has than Dane Dunning. Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2.32 ERA and a whip under one zero nine six John Gray. Um, Chris Bassett, Boy, John Gray got out of Colorado and sure looks good, eh? Right, <laughs> I know so, but Chris, Chris Bassett should bounce back. Look, I expect him to have like one of those seven inning, yeah, shutout type performances. So, I think, I think game three is going to be a pitcher's duel. I think, look, give him, give me the win today with Gary Gossman on the mound. Probably don't have too high of expectations for game two against Dane Dunning with our bullpen day. And then uh, 
I like our chances with Chris Bassett on the mound looking to bounce back. So so do I. Let's end it on that. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much to the Grounds crew for following along. Hit that like button and subscribe. We will see you on Sunday for Long Toss. We've got a, a doozy of a Long Toss for you. Andrew Stoughton is coming hey, back, which nice. is always fun to have Andrew on the awesome. show. And, of course, uh, the regulars like uh, Hey Kami and, and Jen are going to be there as well. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for following along. Live show, Bottle Screw Bills in Calgary on Thursday. Tickets for that. You can get that in the comment section on YouTube here or in the show notes on the audio side of things. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening. <laughs>